I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi hey folks, how good day? And let me first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now before we begin, I mess up, I'm not a psychiatrist. If you're starting to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I want to be some of my experiences. I also want to write to the internetro that I found on DanielBooking.com and MediaFireSound.com. I also have a message to interview with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that may think are disabilities. The only spectrum are not broken and not need to be fixed. Those have conditions or those not to be pitying, there's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some people I like to thank. First, we do thank Abram Farms for giving us a location but due to circumstances, we switched location to the Woolery Mill in Bloomington, Indiana. An extra thing you goes to Laura Eldridge for giving us the building at a good deal. Two Saturdays ago, I attended a public speaking workshop called Speaking in 2024, produced by Tyreli Harrison. There's some new information. I will be using these skills when I speak in 2024. Two weeks ago, I did a Q&A anxiety session with my friend from the United Kingdom that I previously mentioned, Haley Twig Wheeler. We both did this session to destigmatize and educate on severe anxiety. Thank you to those who attended, and feel free to check it out on my YouTube channel. And since the last episode, I've been on three podcasts. I was on the Revelation podcast with Sean Creamer, the Hope Rising podcast with Maurice F. Martin, and the Side Hustle of a Small Business podcast with Amy Scott. What great podcasts to listen to. So for today's topic, we're going to be talking about something we know exists, but I think needs to be mentioned for the autism world because we sometimes don't realize how to take it, and that is death or bereavement. You struggle this because it's very complex. There's multiple strings attached. We feel it more. I think those on the spectrum feel the hard feelings more, not because they're mad, but because they are sad, but they don't realize what to do with the sadness. What we think is the appropriate way to respond is not the appropriate way to respond, but how else are we supposed to contain it? We're so upset that we feel like we have to let it out somehow. Maybe it's not through emotional outbursts or through wailing our eyes out 24-7. And we think about everything. When my grandfather died, there were steps. First, the people from hospice made sure that he wasn't alive on his last bone. Then people from the mortuary came and gone to make him look presentable for the celebration of life. Then we had a celebration of life. Now, how do I live life without this person I've known? That's not us. We are thinking about before, during, and after the meal. It's everything combined. We're not trying to be like, all right, how are we going to present this? No, we got to think about after how this is going to affect us. No, we got to think about during this. No, we got to think about before because he may be going here like any minute. Okay, we need help organizing that so the neurons in our brain can go to sleep for a little bit. And I'm not saying permanently sleep, but just take a nap. The definition of bereavement is according to Oxford Online Dictionary, it means deprived of a close relation or friend through the death. It was literally ripped from your heart. I think why we do not understand this is there are lots of emotions from the previous episode. And if you don't know, that would be... 254 between the lines, I stated that we are one man emotions. When it comes to bereavement, we feel multiple emotions. Death gives me pinball brain. Listeners, see when 11 pinball action more information. When it's regular pinball brain, it's controlled and uncontrolled chaos, but it can be reset. With death, I don't know how I could put the ball back in hold where it can be shot into the launcher, but there is a way to open the gate. And it's actually learning the five stages of grief. Now, I'm not going to make you go online and find them. I will give you a basis of what the five stages of grief are. First stage is denial. This is where you think, oh, it's not real. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and they're there. But then you go, oh, this isn't fake at all. They are really gone. Stage two is anger. You're mad that someone took something from you. You're mad that you got metaphorically shot in the heart with a BB gun. Stage three is bargaining. This is where you gamble with yourself. You try to make deals with yourself. You try to escape it by using the wrong tools. Stage four is depression. This is where you're just sad. You wake up in the middle of the night with a migraine. You just don't feel good at all mentally. But then you get to the stage five and that's acceptance. And you just realize, as William Nelson said, there's nothing I can do about it now. I have to do what the person 
person who has died would want me to do, and that is live on to fulfill them and ourselves too. Plus, death does not make any sense. Here's why it doesn't make any sense to me. You try to recover. You step after step after step, and you get to a point where you move on, but you're still not fully recovered from losing your friend. And the celebrations even don't make sense. Why do we have people rot down under the ground? And why do we have people burn our ashes? And if it is that that's what America built, fine, whatever. It's whatever you want to do. But to me, it just doesn't make any sense. And I don't know if there ever will be a ritual that makes sense for death. That being said, we might be the most real ones in the room. So when I say real, it loosely means strong. Because you can even call me the most meanest person alive if you want to. And I hate to tell you, but I gotta be truthful with you. I don't understand the tears. But it's not me being mean. There are reasons. First is I really don't even see the point of the tears. Unfortunately, tears can't bring someone back from the dead. I wish it could, but there's no way it can. So why even go there? I would see a WWE tribute page and a 10 bell salute. But if you're going to shed tears, I just wonder if you need professional help. Two, I'm actually also concerned for your mental health. So when I see a full house of people cry for someone it is powerful but concerning i'm actually afraid for you i'm concerned that you're going to join the dead person are you going to be in a casket the next day can you move on your actions don't show it that's it's contradicting when i go to these rituals i thought we're supposed to celebrate their life when did celebrating involve sad tears to me i thought celebrating was popping the cork off the champagne bottle and maybe some confetti cannons if it was up to me i would call funerals fun rolls and so i thought you we were celebrating and not having anguish which i thought was for our own time it is also challenging we have grief grief is the reaction to the disappearance of something significant this is almost as if you lost something but it was something important to you not someone something another way to put it basically is bereavement but instead of a human being deprived from you it was an item plus grieving could be after the bereavement for someone one fact that determines the level of pain if it is an unexpected or expected loss for those on a spectrum they're both very different and unexpected loss it means sudden it just happened when they were even the healthiest alive an example of this would be grandma nelly who's perfectly healthy died in a car crash at 901 this morning because she tried to get her phone the expected means you knew it was coming you saw it from 20 months now example of this would be grandma nelly died at 901 p.m this evening but we knew it was coming because her health has been declining ever since her battle with colon cancer. There are even reasons why an unexpected death hurts more. According to some general research, in my knowledge, some of those are no goodbyes. In my opinion, I don't agree when Skillet says don't say goodbye. You need to say goodbye to the person who you love. There needs to be a last moment, which means both of you need to be on whatever furniture there is, have a conversation before he goes. Lucid or not. Don't only say goodbye, but say thank you. In the last moment, thank them for being in the life. Thank you for being my grandfather. If it's the other way around, thank you for being my grandson. They need that assurance before they can pass. What I'm trying to say here, and Morgan Wallen fans will understand this reference, you need a last night where the liquor doesn't talk. With no goodbyes, you're taking the chance of your goodbye being an argument. Let me give you a scenario. So we have Larry, the dad, and we have Yoshi, the adopted son who get in a stupid argument over blueberry pie. They get nowhere with it. They go their separate ways. Then Larry decides to go cut up a tree to recover from his anger. Well, he goes to cut the tree, but the tree falls on him. Well, Yoshi comes out and he finds him out and they try to help him, but he didn't make it. It will be documented that their last chat was an argument over blueberry pie. Probably one of the worst burdens that any man or woman could carry. 
Another reason why unexpected death hurts more is survivor's guilt. A lot of war veterans come back with survivor's guilt where they want to help their colleague but couldn't. Well, I'm not telling you war veterans aren't the only people that have it. We have it too. We feel guilty that we couldn't have been the savior and we just think what Hawkeye thought in Avengers Endgame, it should have been me. It should have been me in that car crash. It should have been me in that fire. It should have been me falling. We just feel guilty that we couldn't do something about it. Now, if you were there, it's a different story. It's still not your fault, but I unfortunately can't help you with that night terror. But if you weren't there, I can help you a little bit. The best idea I have for that, and this is for war veterans who have had this, and for those on the spectrum who have the survivor's guilt. If you were not there, there was nothing you could do. We all have our own lives. And unfortunately, having our own individuality comes with risk. And one of the risks is not having supervision that could lead us to death. Another reason why is the experience. So I believe death is a horror movie itself. But now we have extra scenes, which include a fire, a car burning. On top of that, the family dog has burn on its legs and may not make it through the night. Okay, that is one traumatizing experience. I don't know how I can even finish that horror movie. When the horror movie is over, it doesn't feel like it is. The credits won't stop rolling. Another reason why an unexpected death hurts more is no completion or unfinished business. This person who died unexpectedly didn't get to complete the game of life. There was no retiring at millionaire estates or countryside acres. He had an early retirement. I haven't even had a perfect story with this one. A while back, one of my previous mother's students for the listeners, see if I meet my mother, passed away. And the word spread around the community that he did. It definitely hurt us all, but it did hurt me, but for different reasons. It hurt me more due to the fact that he missed out on so much. He didn't get the chance to get married. He didn't get the chance to have a house. He didn't get the chance to have a good job. He didn't even have the chance to even have a child, maybe. He even lost the chance to say goodbye to his family. Keep in mind, this was at 14 years old, but knowing how he is, he was probably right now, as Johnny Cash would say, a ghostwriter in the sky. That being said, there is why the other end of the dark rainbow, which is an anticipated death, or the expected death hurts more. According to some general research and my past on dealing with this, some of those are you see agony. So while it does bring the best in humanity because of the support, it brings the worst also in humanity due to you see a person that you cherish suffer in agony and you can't take the pain away from them. But there is something you can do. Although you can't take the pain, you can make them more comfortable by doing what they would have wanted you to do. Another reason is it's a damper. So when Alex Trebek was getting interviewed during the time of his pancreatic cancer, he said that he was a burden. Well, I have to disagree with Mr. Trebek. People that love you should take care of you when needed. That being said, it can be very stressful. You now have to hold back a little bit. You can't go live your life completely. You have to plan it around him. And in my views, that's frustrating. Now, does that mean I'm going to do it? Yes, of course. He's my son. I would do anything for him. That includes putting a hole on my life for him, but it's very stressful. On top of that, you add now making plans for something that was unexpected. Yeah, that's going to give us a little bit of a kick. There is a solution for this I can give. Remember, it will be over. At some point, this expected death is going to go down. You won't have to do this for a whole year. They're not going to be here long. Eventually, you will stop seeing them hurt. Also, we have more needs. So when Grandma Nelly hit the car accident, she automatically went. There was no vegetable stage. Well, when there's expected death coming, there's usually a vegetable stage where essentially they turn to a child again. They need help getting fed. They need help going to the bathroom. They need help being bathed. They need help drinking their own water. They need help administering their own medication. And truth be told, they don't know what's going on. To see someone at that stage, it's awful. I would wonder, can you just go in a different way? Maybe I, where I don't have to see you in that stage. Because I'd rather see you just go quick and get it over with 
versus hang and hang and hang. I appreciate that you're trying to fight. I really do. It's even admiration that you're trying to fight. But you have to say enough is enough. The final reason why those on the spectrum might have a hard time with the expected death is scared. So when death comes knocking on the door, they usually change their look. Which for my case with my grandfather, he kind of looked a little more palish white and a ghost. He looked like the worst Halloween costume I've seen except the Halloween costume wasn't a costume. It was real. He looked awful. I still have nightmares on what he looked like in that time frame. I'd rather not deal with that. It's possible that some people on the spectrum might rather see his face being burned than seeing him ghostly white pale. Which one is worse? I think it depends on the person. But do you have the official answer? Look at the first article below by Bacon Young Funeral and Cremation Services. It is hard too when everyone has different beliefs after your time comes. So I do not like talk about religion, but I'm going to break that rule one time. Because I do respect what you believe in, but when there's different answers of when you die, where do you go? I question, who's right? Are the people who go to church on Sunday right? Are the people who wear kippahs on their head correct? Or are the people who do Buddhism chants accurate? I don't know. It's very scary when everyone could be sincere. And I will even tell you some of the beliefs. So one of the beliefs is heaven and hell. So this is when after you die, if you're a good person and you were a Christian, you follow the Bible, you're going to go to heaven. Or if you were a bad person, the escalator is going to go down and you're going to go into Earth's core and meet a bad angel named the devil where he will torture your soul. Another one is reincarnation. So this is what I learned from school. This is where, yes, I'm not kidding, this is true. If you are a bad person, you will turn into an animal that has a shorter life. Or in retrospect, will be butchered, such as a cow, a pig, a goat. Or you get reincarnated to some magical device and go back into being a baby. And if you're wondering what I'm thinking, yes, it's true. A pig could have previously been your great-grandfather. And then we also have spirits live on. So this is what I personally believe. I think that once you go, your spirit lives. It's everywhere. It's in the sky. Your spirit might even travel to India. Although I will tell you ways that you can help later on, I will tell you some on the autism spectrum do not want any help at all. They don't want to have the game with them. They want to solve the mystery on their own. You've heard the phrase, march the beat of their own drum. Well, I'm saying march away from the tombstone at their own pace. And with shooting away help, parents, please don't take it personal. We have our own ways of grieving. You have your own way. Now let us do our way of grieving. For some people with autism, it is overwhelming and they find it hard to open up. It is not because we do not want to, but we are at a loss for words. Death can make us speechless. Oh, sorry. But in all seriousness, I have so much. I don't know how to open up. How do you respond to losing someone you know for the majority of your life? It's very weird too. You know a guy and gal for so long the next day they're not there. And parents, there are some ways you can tell that they are at a loss for words. One way is delayed responses. This is when Mark does really good at the funeral, but when he gets home, the dam broke. And he might be doing this since he wanted to grieve in private, or maybe he finally understands how to feel. We also have will not shed a tear. They just don't cry at the funeral. But I want parents to know this. Just because, as I said earlier, they don't shed tears, it doesn't mean they don't love them. It doesn't mean they're having the same feelings that you're feeling. It's just not going to come out. It may come out at home. Maybe they're trying to do it to help you out even. And also, some will not even function. They looked up to that person. 
and they feel like they lost their own king or queen. It's like what someone said on Dark Side of the Ring. If they can't be here, I'm not going to be here. And if you have that bond with someone, that's great. But that's the one con of having that bond is you basically live off each other. I will also tell you this. People ask all the time at the social ritual, are you okay? Well, I appreciate you caring. I do see that your heart is in the right place. It is incredibly annoying. You said I suck at reading the room. Why aren't you reading the room? Let's look at the room. I'm in clothes I don't like. I'm in a big room with a crowd. I am lost my Aunt Sally. So no, I'm not okay. Get with the program, man. But here's the kicker, Aspies. We're not going to be able to change the size of you on that. On the other side, though, you can do something. If you are tired of people asking, are you okay? Try to find the private room at the social ritual place. I'm sure somewhere there could be a place where people won't bother you no one's gonna ask you in the bathroom hey are you okay bud it is even more annoying when you ask someone to answer for us so let me give you another scenario here greg is sad that he lost his best friend willie well they're having this social ritual and people keep asking his mom Teresa, is he okay okay why are you asking Teresa? ask greg are you okay we don't need to be on a special boat we're actually in the same boat with you now, if it's non-speaking, I can understand it's a different story, but he still needs to have a voice. Have someone translate for him. Look at him. Don't think that he doesn't know what's going on. He knows like you do. And when you do that, you're making us feel stupid. I don't understand how to take this. The least you can do is ask the question you would to Uncle John, how are you doing with this? I should tell you this, when those on the spectrum go through grief, it could affect their mental health. The only thing it could affect their mental health is sleep loss. The reason why, after research through lots of websites, they're doing this because they're dreaming about the disease. It's fresh on their mind. They're thinking about Uncle Willie moving hay bales because he was a farm boy. We also have loss of appetite. This is because their body is entering a fight, flight, or freeze mode, but their body can't pick which one to do. Another way that's pretty obvious is they'll get more anxious. And C109 autistic butterflies, more information, they will get more anxiety because they lost their sense of safety. They almost feel that the person they can go to is no longer here. So they're now wondering, who do I go to? We also have regression. This is when they'll lose a skill because of the death. An example of this could be Yoshi lost his dad, Adam, and now Yoshi can't drive anymore because when he does drive, all he thinks about is Adam winning his car races. We also have meltdowns. The C107 meltdowns autistic style. They could lose their ever-loving mind. They want to feel like us and join in the sob party, but to them... It's an extreme sob party. Another way is they could refuse to let go and C205 find the blueprint for more information. They would literally not be quiet about that person. Everything they speak about will be referring to the person who died. For Ray, it could be everything goes back to Uncle Chris. Uncle Chris loved these type of wings. Uncle Chris loved going to the store. Uncle Chris this, Uncle Chris that. And it just goes on and on and on. And I'm on the spectrum. That's kind of scary. And that's not good healthy at all. And I wish I could help you, but I don't know how because this is something I probably do. I'll admit it. And then you could also get physically sick because of the stress that's causing you. And also you have self-isolation. Those on the spectrum will self-isolate themselves when a death concurs. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to talk to someone. 
so they might self-isolate to actually talk to themselves so that they can say the words that they know will calm them down from grieving too much. Now, folks, we'll be right back here and add from the Doug Flutie Jr. Autism Foundation. So let's get to it. At the Doug Flutie Autism Foundation in Massachusetts, people are receiving hope. The organization was established in 1998 by Doug Flutie, a former quarterback for Boston College and the NFL, and his wife, Lori, in the memory of their son, Dougie, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. The goal of the Flutie Foundation is to improve the quality of life for those with autism and their families. The biggest action they like to do is give grants and host their annual Stars on the Spectrum golf event. Our goal is to offer chances for physical and social activity outside of work or school, a path for education or employment during the day, and the resources needed to always feel safe, supported, and informed, the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation says. Make sure to visit them on their website, www.flutiefoundation.org. That's www.flutiefoundation.org. Or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or even YouTube to see all the stars they have to offer. And you never know, you might be able to meet one of their stars if you are so kind and they allow you to do so. Finally, if this was a testimony, this would be my testimony for the Doug Jr. Autism Foundation. All right, folks, we're back. You might meet Doug Flutie there. You never know. And also, those on the spectrum might grieve over things that are not related to death at all. According to some general research, some of those are loss of a relationship. We are Iron Man telling Pepper Potts, I lost the kid. The cheerleader in our corner is no longer cheering us. They went from cheering the Indianapolis Colts to the Denver Broncos. I'm afraid the Indianapolis Colts because Indiana happens to be my hometown. But anyway, we think it's our fault. We're whipping ourselves with the bullwhip. And I always ask myself a question when this happens. The question I ask myself is, were the times we had a lie? Was our first kiss a lie? Was the times we had in the school cafeteria a lie? Was the time we walked around campus a lie? Were there any truths at all in the bond? Something else we could grieve over is something with our special interests. I'm going to look at that word for a minute. Special interest. It means an interest that is special to us. And when it is that significant to us, it can affect the way we feel. We feel like we lost a part of our life because it meant that much to me. I know it affected me when Bray Wyatt passed away. I watched him growing up. I know I get to see him on television. No longer will I hear from Bray Wyatt, run. Or am I going to see a lantern go down the wrestling ring? I even got another story to tell you about this that doesn't feature me. It's actually a Sheldon Cooper story. When you watch Young Sheldon, you could tell that he loved Professor Proton. When he got tormented by his sisters or had a bad day at school, he probably went to go watch Professor Proton do a science experiment with a potato and a clock. Fast forward to the Big Bang Theory, we learned that he passed away. And you could tell it hurt him when he learned the news. He even did something that I previously mentioned in this episode and dreamed about it. That gave him closure because he thanked him for his childhood. And he basically told him, you the man, I'll always have a heart for you. No words can... Describe what you've done for me. Another thing we might grieve over is schoolwork and failure. So one of my previous guests, Richard Kaufman, C246, the Vertical Momentum Resiliency Crossover, Richard Kaufman, for more information, he believes in failing forward. Well, I agree with him until it comes to your future. That's when the brakes are on. You should be concerned for your future. When Richard Kaufman says failing forward, I also translate as belly flop. Well, some belly flops you should be able just to pick right back from. But when it comes to your future, no, that is a belly flop. You should not just be like, oh, okay, we're done. Oh, this should be an oh, oh, 
man, my stomach. It could cost you in the long run. That's why I brought up schoolwork. When you get a D on your math test, those on the spectrum are probably going to think, how the heck am I going to do high school math and pass this concept if we do it? But final thing you might grieve over is upsetting a family member. So those on the spectrum are mostly not people pleasers. Well, society wants us to be a people pleaser when it comes to our family. Okay, I'm fine with that. But when we slip on a banana peel and screw up, how do we try to make this right? It really doesn't help too when frustration and aggravation exist. It drove me nuts when my parents were done with the discipline, which I do believe in for listeners to you, 218, dare discipline. But then after it was over, they were aggravated and frustrated with me. That shouldn't exist. I thought we were done with this. I agree with Supername when she says discipline should be something and that's it. It shouldn't be, go to timeout. I want an apology. I'm still mad at you. <laughs> no, it should be, okay, go to timeout. I want an apology. All right, now that's done. Do you want to play mousetrap with me? Clearly, you expect us to get up from the banana peel, parents, but how are we supposed to get up when we still feel like there's extra discipline coming on us? We even have a difficult time in the social situation when there is a person about to be a dead man or a dead man in the area. Let me explain with my personal experience. After my grandfather passed away, I decided I better go see my family and make sure my family, who's going through the same thing I'm going through, is okay. Well, I was by his hospital bed, and we joked, and we laughed, and we had a great time. But what my family didn't know is I was having this jamming thought of, okay, there's a dead man in this house. That is very weird. That's part of the reason why I don't like funerals. It's just odd to me that there's a dead body, and that's also even why I don't cry. It's very strange, in my opinion, to happy or sad cry over a dead body. It gives me the creeps. Now, parents, what if they are on the low end or the middle end, the autism? How do I tell them? Do I tell them at all? In my opinion, they have a right to know. They should know that they're not going to go on any more motorcycle rides with Uncle Matt. But do it more gently. I might use phrases such as, Daddy's sleeping or daddy has passed away. And they might ask you questions about it and you can explain the concept of dead, but I wouldn't use the word death because death is a strong word and it could be too strong for someone on the spectrum to grasp. Bereavement can also affect those on the autism spectrum cognitively. According to some general research and my knowledge, some ways are they'll have memory loss. The fact of this deceased person who they loved is front and center. It's not in the back burner. They're trying their best to storage in the computer, but every tab that is open comes back to... Uncle Matt. Parents, give them time. It will get to the storage bin where instead of being sad about the person, they can actually go back to the storage bin and look at previous memories that are happy. Another can affect them cognitively is confused. Some of you on the spectrum just don't get death and they're confused. They don't understand why am this person gone. I should still have him. I've known him for 63 years. It should still be the same way. Everything's going to change now. I don't know why I'm a pond fish in. And I know it sounds like me, 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 but in my opinion, they have to be me, 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 so they can function. It's a step for them to move on. Plus, they could question the routine. C106 daily changes for more information because of the structure they've seen for so long in the house. And now they're thinking about changing the routine of their place and themselves, it could really just make our brain go into shutdown mode. I haven't had a perfect story with this one. So my grandmother in C222, accept them for who they are by Grandma Alice, but she's getting a new couch and going to move some furniture around. I didn't say this, but in my head, I was not happy. Because every time I went in their house, the first thing I see is Grandma in her recliner and my grandfather in the recliner. Well, the recliner ain't there anymore, and now she's getting a couch and the furniture's going to be moved. I don't like that. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it. It's your life. Do whatever you want. But I'm just going to be honest with my grandmother and those who don't understand this. It's going to take time to process. It's like getting used to my cousin's haircut when he first got one. It, he looked different. And it took a while to be like, whoa, all right. This is new, but give me 
three months and we'll be good to go. And they'll even question their own routine. They'll now want to know who's going to take me for motorcycle rides if it's not Uncle Matt. Or who's going to take me to school when it was Uncle Matt. Am I going to not have motorcycle rides because Uncle Matt's the only motorcycle rider in the family? They are having anxiety for listeners to see my autistic butterflies. More information, they don't know what else to do. So they're questioning their routine because they're scared that they're not going to have motorcycle rides. Or they're scared that they won't even make it to school the next day. The file is we're attached to family and peers. We don't want to go anywhere. We want to be around our parents our uncles, aunts. All we really want is cuddles because we're that, we feel that awful. And even though I think if you don't like to be touched on spectrum, I think you might break that because you're at a last resort. You don't know what else to do. The best way to describe it is for three-year-olds at Walmart begging for a toy and like, please, 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 while also be on the floor holding our parents' ankle, except we're not hugging your ankle, we're hugging your waist, and we're not begging for toys, we're begging for comfort. It is also plausible that it can affect their behavior according to some general research and my knowledge of the ways it can affect their behavior are less socially. We want to be with people and we don't want to be with people. So we want to be attached, but we don't want any talking. Because what's talking going to do for you? I even have a perfect story with this for myself. So a few days before my grandfather died, my mother gave me a call and said, Hey, Sam, he's probably not going to make it. He could die at any minute. Well, I hang up and I didn't know what to do. I want to be attached to family and peers. Well, my family wasn't there, but I had a really good friend who shall remain nameless. And I think she knows who she is because of how I felt. I gave her a long, lengthy hug. And it may have been... A quicker one than usual, but it was tighter than what I would usually do. Another way it could affect us behaviorally is we're more irritable. We're angry and see 212 flying off the handle for more information. We're just mad at the world. However, I don't understand why you would go there. Why even go there when it's going to get you nowhere? The final could affect us behaviorally is developed small IBS. So IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome. And when some people get nervous, it's just their bowels screw up. I'm one of those people. And it's not permanently. It's only temporarily. I want people to understand that. They get that. You can't help that. That's the way you get nervous. Everyone gets nervous in their own ways. Now, for those on the bench, if your parents are going to be involved in helping you, you have to do your part, and that is you have to be around. You don't get to skip the funeral because you're on the autism spectrum. You don't get to say, I'm not going to say goodbye because I'm on the autism spectrum. No, you have to be involved. You have to be there, even though if you don't want to. That may include going to a funeral and wearing nice clothes, going to a hospital to hold their hand for a few minutes, even though it's kind of scary. It's the way to honor them. It's what society wants you to do. So guess what? Even though you don't agree with it sometimes, you have to do it. But there is something you can do to help yourself. Remember how long it is. It's not going to be 365 days. It's It might be two weeks out of the calendar year, but not the whole calendar year. Now, folks, we're right back here in Ad from Rock 96.1 radio station. So let's hear from them. We want to thank 96.1 The Quarry, especially David and Dan Hayes, for being a gold sponsor for our Summerfest. 96.1 residents in Bloomington, Indiana, and like autism rocks and rolls, they rock and roll too. Visit their website at rock961fm.com to hear them out. And when they're on the station, be sure to listen to them live on their website or catch them on the radio in your car. If you like Kiss, Queen, 80s Rock or ZZ Top, I think you have found your station. 96.1 also supports our veterans, so you should support them too. Visit 96.1. Yeah! Alright folks, when you're back, we'll definitely rock out to this radio station. To the parents, there are ways to make your child not mind being around the social situation and get involved with the death. According to some general research and my knowledge, some of those ways are do practice runs. Maybe Uncle Matt's about to die and you help the daughter Izzy go through the process 
of the funeral. You set it up. You make it as if it is the real funeral. You maybe do what Super Nanny did when one child that she was having trouble not understanding stealing, and they create a scenario where she learned that she had to pay. Maybe you create a scenario where Izzy learns that you have to wear nice clothes and that you have to. Now you can make it fun, but you also gotta be realistic. Maybe we hire Kathy Rodriguez for this, who does this stuff. Now I'm gonna safely assume she's had to set up a funeral for some of her clients. No idea you can use against seek a grief counselor. So you know my views on therapy and grief counseling probably will not work on me. You could do regular therapy too, or some type of autism therapy. But in my opinion, because of the topic, I would go for grief. It's highly likely a grief counselor will say something that will be able to make you weigh the world off of your shoulders. That's what they do for a living. They know, they even probably went to study for it. And I don't know what you would study. They studied something that makes people think he is at peace right now. Another thing you can do is you can give them a voice. Everyone's feelings should be valid when it comes to death. Even those on the spectrum. Speaking or not, I think you should ask them how they feel. Now, I did say earlier it is annoying, but that's multiple times. Twice in a day, I don't mind. I'll appreciate that you even took the time to ask. Most people are too afraid to ask. Also, remember no judgment. Their way of grieving is just as valid as yours. It's not no way out as a dirty paper you was called. It's called a way out. Plus, you need to remember to be patient. Do not snap at them. The cold water will turn into hot water. I don't think when it comes to death or grieving, we don't need any hot water boiling over. Another idea you can do, Pants, is you can share information. If they are at the capability of understanding what's going on, straight up tell them. You can tell them he's not doing too hot. He unfortunately cannot use the bathroom anymore. He now has to be fed. He is now sadly not able to walk. You better see him soon, my friend. I know when I had my grandfather go to the vegetable stage, it got to a point where I couldn't see him. So because of that, I asked my parents, listen, I can't see my grandfather because it's breaking my heart to see him like that, but can you please keep me updated? I still want to know how my grandfather is doing. And to my parents, I am so thankful that you granted that request. Another thing you can do is you can share social stories. You can show them what is going to happen through a story that they are going to go through or a story that they went through. Maybe you tell a story about your own mother dying. Before. And you can do so many. You could do some on preparing for the funeral, remembering your loved one, or talking about how someone close to you died. It's a social problem that requires us a critical think. Since those on spectrum are good at critical thinking, we could probably figure out what to do in that social story, and we can use that for the real thing. Another way you can help them not mind being around is when they die, you can give them or do a token. When I say token, I mean something they can hold on to. For example, I have a belt buckle that I still keep so I can remember my grandfather. I even have some hats so I can remember my grandfather. But it does not have to be just giving something. You can also do something. Maybe Aunt Fiona loved baseball, so maybe once a year you go to a baseball game for her. And that's a pretty good way to honor because they can't do it. You can do it for them. And pardon the French, but to me, that's a pretty damn good feeling. The final idea I have is you can visit the gravesite. The cemetery is open 24-7. No one's going to stop you from seeing your relative's tomb. And a lot of people do it because that's their way of healing. They can reflect on the great times. They can reflect on the bad times. It even gives them a sense of comfort too. When people don't feel safe or insecure, they're going to go somewhere where they do feel safe. One of the places might be telling the relative, here's what's going on. I know it hurts that they can't talk to you back, but you can hear the spirit from them. The best part is you can do it as many times as you want. I know I won't say which previous guest, just out of privacy. She visits her mother once a year to tell her what's going on. That heals her because maybe we need to let it out of the bag. Sometimes we can't hold it in. We're like, man, I want to tell my mother, but I can't even do it. Well, actually, 
you can. It's really weird too. When you get to know someone for so long, you can actually guess what they're going to say. The only difference is instead of looking straight at them, you're looking down at them. To conclude, rest in peace. Oh, sorry, I thought I was The Undertaker. But in all seriousness, to conclude, we do know that, as Miss Gump says, death is a part of life. But when someone else's time comes, we do not know how to handle it. It is as if we think we're interfering with their business. Although we are speechless, it does not mean we do not want to go. Speechless definition is not saying to the grieving family and to the person laying in the casket, Oh well, we want to say I'm sorry for your loss, but what will that do? When Bailey from WWE stated, life sucks, then you die, she's right on the death part. That being said, the majority of people get to see great things in life, but you will one day be buried under dust. To those on the spectrum, the way you can honor them is to do what society says by going to the celebration of life, but you get to pick how you mourn. Well, folks, let me all first day hope you learned something about grieving, and I want you right now to help someone on the spectrum grief. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>